Hello, this is Tom McSweeney and you're very welcome to Maritime Ireland. This is the Maritime Ireland radio show about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. The sea around our coastline, our inland waters, our lakes and rivers are all part of Ireland's marine sphere, important socially and economically to this island nation. Ireland's connection with the sea is as old as time itself. Maritime Ireland brings together the maritime community which everyone is entitled and welcome to join. And it's broadcast on 18 radio stations around Ireland and on podcast. The history of the west coast of Ireland is inextricably bound up with the sea, sailing, shipping, navigation, exploration. Archaeologists have discovered boats and artefacts in Loch Corrib, which date back to prehistoric times. The history of Galway claims that Patelme, the astronomer and mathematician, born in 100 AD at Alexandria in Egypt and who began the belief that Earth was at the centre of the universe, referred to western lakes in the 2nd century. And that was before, as Galway people will tell you, that Columbus arrived there to recruit sailors for his exploration. Galway's obviously had a long history and the Corrib would have been a major commercial artery all through the 19th century and it was a key route for, for shipping goods from the entire hinterland of North Galway, South Mayo, down into the port of Galway. We'll be telling you how Loch Corrib is now the location for Europe's oldest and longest inland sailing race. We'll hear the story of a man trying to buy from his parish priest the painting of a boat on which he had been part of the crew on its first voyage and how he felt when it sank. And we'll hear the personal story of an Air Corps search and rescue pilot who flew rescue missions off the Irish coast piloting both Alouette and Dolphin helicopters and whose first mission was almost his last. And my hand dropped the collective lever, which is the power, and the aircraft dropped. And I barely caught it again before it landed on top of his friend below me in the rock. As I said, Galway is steeped in maritime history, and Loch Corrib is very much part of it. Way back in 1852, the year Sir Benjamin Guinness took up residence in Ashford Castle, the Eglinton Canal was opened, connecting it to Kong and the sea. There was a plan for a Kong Canal to Loch Mask, and the lake was a busy shipping location for cargoes and passengers to Galway. The Corrib Rowing and Yachting Club was founded in 1864, the Galway Commercial Boat Club in 1868 and the Royal Galway Yacht Club in 1882, which was also the year when the Kong Galway Race was inaugurated from the Royal Galway Yacht Club premises in then Fisheries Field to Ashford Castle and back, 61 nautical miles, which continued annually until 1914, when it was affected by the rigours of the First World War and was last sailed in 1931. I once interviewed legendary Galway sailor and submariner commander Bill King, who blazed a trail in the first solo round-the-world yacht race in Galway Blazer. 
Galway Bay's Sailing Club is 50 years old and is involved in organising the revived Kong Galway race with the Corrup Club, Galway City Sailing Club and Common Shoal Torok Spidale, and in which the Galway Hooker Sailing Club will be sailing those iconic Galway boats. Revived back in 1972 and renowned now as Europe's longest and oldest inland race, it will be sailed on Sunday, June 27. John Barry of Galway Bay Sailing Club tells its history. I suppose initiated as part of the kind of the great Victorian revival in sort of pleasure sailing and um, there's, you know, there's Galway's obviously had a, a long history and, um, you know, there's like the, the car would have been a, a major kind of commercial artery, um, you know, all through the 19th century and it was a, you know, a key route for, for shipping goods from, you know, the entire hinterland of North Galway, South Mayo, down into the port of Galway and, you know, there would have been a huge Huge fleet of uh, of boats operating on the lake commercially, and um, the tradition would have been that boats would have been sailed out on the bay during the summertime and then wintered on the lake. So there would have been quite a lot of, of pleasure sailing on the the lakes, you know, through the autumn, winter, and and spring months as well. And this is still Europe's oldest and longest inland race, and there are four clubs combining to organise it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great kind of collaboration between between all the clubs, ourselves, Galway Bay Sailing Club, Galway City Sailing Club, the Corrib Rowing and Yachting Club, who host a lot of the activities as we come into the finish and custodians of the trophy as well. Um, and for the last couple of years now, we've been joined by the Galway Hooker Sailing Club as well, which has been great to see a lot of traditional boats involved. And uh, and Spiddle Sailing Club have also been involved for, for a long number of years. And for the last couple of years, Ashford Castle have become involved again, kind of rekindling their connection, you know, which dates back to the, the very early days of the race when the uh, Guinnesses were involved in the, the Royal Galway Sailing Club, as, a, as it was at the time. And so this year, here again, we've got a, a wonderful prize of a, a stay at the, the lodge at Ashford this year as well. There's uh, McHugh Properties have become involved on the sponsorship side as well to, to contribute to the, the running of the, the event, which is great to have such a kind of a broad community involvement, um, you know, that uh, uh, to um, uh, to ensure the kind of the sustainability and the, the long term viability of the of the race. Since the revival in the 1970s, the route has been kind of down the traditional steamer route from uh, from the Slockery Pier down through Kilbeg with a, a pit stop at, at Kilbeg and then on down to, to Galway City. And that original historic trophy which you mentioned, Corrib Rowing and Yachting Club still has that. That's a huge piece of history, isn't it? It is, yeah. The original sailing clubs that were founded in uh, in Galway, uh, you know, in the 19th century, were all very much around that um, lower lake near where uh, NUIG is. And there was the Royal Galway um, Yachting Club, who were the kind of original instigators of the race. But um, a, a lot of their history was was passed on, and and records and so on were passed on to the Corrib Rowing and Yachting Club, which were were also kind of founded at the the end of the 19th century um, and uh, the uh, commercial club would have been founded around the same time so there was a big kind of that was the, that part of the lake was kind of very much the um, the, the hub of activity for, for sailing at, at that time um, I guess in, in more recent years with the 
the founding of Galway Bay and Galway City Sailing Club and Spiddle and various other clubs around the, the bay, the kind of the focus has moved further, you know, the uh, more out, out to sea and to the, the seaside. And obviously the the closing of the, the canal in the 50s meant that transiting boats to and from the lake became less common. It's uh, it, it's really great to have that kind of piece of tradition still um, still available to, to pass down through to the, uh, the next generation. It's very much a family occasion, isn't it? It is, yeah, and um, while it's tricky and it's unusual format, you know, relative to kind of your your typical sort of dinghy regattas uh, that that you would have, um, but it's still quite accessible. You know, it doesn't require a huge budget or anything to to participate, so it's it's quite accessible for uh, for for families. And you know, there's it's been a, a father and son duo who've been triumphing for the, the last number of years. Um, Yannick and, and Sean Lemonnier, uh, there's they they've come out on top. But there's been a big growth in, in terms of the yeah, the number of, of kind of parent and child combinations in the in the race as well. And um uh, and this year actually is um you know, there's for the first time in a number of years there's you know, kind of quite a competitive uh, cruiser fleet uh, emerging this year as well, which again, you know, gives a bit more scope for uh, for families. So unfortunately, we have to, to cap the numbers uh, this year, which is a, an unusual problem to have. That um, you know, it's quite a difficult race to manage because it's it's over such a long distance, and um, so you know there's there's a, a limit to the number of boats that can be accommodated at the the piers uh, and so on down along the the race. You know, there's there's plenty of kind of vantage points as well if you know people are are out and about uh, around Galway to to come and see it. Some of the the best places to to look at it are from kind of the not ferry pier there near Moycullen. Um you can see the, the you know the boats coming into Kilbeg for um at the, the halfway spot and uh, you know there's a, there's a great view there of the, the start line for the second leg you know which should be kicking off about about two o'clock on the on, on the day of the race. Um and also then as the, the boats are coming down past the sports grounds there at below NUIG there's a great view of the boats particularly a lot of them are trying to get uh, it's quite sheltered so there's every piece of, of canvas is being hoisted there trying to make their way through that uh, that, that slow leg of the race at the at the finish so it's uh, it can be um, quite a sight to see particularly for um, the hookers uh, got involved last year and, and seeing them coming down past Menlo Castle is, is really a sight to behold John Barry of Galway Bay Sailing Club with the unique history of the Kong to Galway race and a sight to see in the City of the Tribes. And we'll hear more about the Galway Hooker Sailing Club later in the programme. On the River Liffey, the Irish Nautical Trust has launched the Liffey Sweeper, a new vessel with a special environmental purpose. It's designed to collect large amounts of debris, plastic cans and bottles and from the city's waterways to make them clean. It's part of the River Liffey cleaning project to remove floating debris from the Liffey, the Dodder and the Tolka estuary. On Valencia Island in County Kerry, there's a new visitor experience at Valencia Lighthouse, called the Leading Lights at Cromwell Pier. Worth a visit if you're down that way. 
Further up the west coast, Inishark Island off Cleggan is a place that retired Air Corps Commandant Frank Russell will always remember. As he tells in his book Air, Sea and Land Memories about his life as a helicopter pilot on search and rescue missions. From Blanchardstown in Dublin, he now lives in the borough near Ballyvaughan in County Clare and Justin Marr has been hearing his story. In August of 1972, young Air Corps Lieutenant Frank Russell was on his first weekend of duty as a search and rescue pilot at Casement Aerodrome near Dublin. It was there that he received the call that two French sailors had gone overboard near Inishark Island just west of Cleggan County, Galway. Fresh out of training, it was his first search and rescue mission. When we flew over Inishark, heading westerly, we were astonished to see at least a dozen small boats milling about west of the cliffs. We had no radio contact in those days. This was the early 70s. So from hand signals, we quickly saw that everybody was pointing back towards the cliffs. And sure enough, there were two men standing precariously on a large rock right up against the cliff face uh, and surrounded by a very large swell. So we decided to carry out a a routine uh, lift to take up these men. So the the winchman went down and put a strope around the first sailor and the winch operator brought him up and he came on board and things began to go pear-shaped from that moment onwards. And the man that came on board was a huge man, about six foot four with a black beard, which I'll never forget. And he was very excited and very excitable, mostly because of relief of being rescued, I suspect. And he wanted to kiss and hug the crewman, and he gave me a phenomenal slap on my left shoulder, and my hand dropped the collective lever, which is the power, and the air, the aircraft dropped. Uh, and I barely caught it again before it landed on top of his friend below me in the rock. We had trained intensely for search and rescue, which is the most intensive type of operation that any helicopter pilot can do. We covered all sorts of probabilities and possibilities, including, for instance, engine failure. But nowhere along in my training was there any reference to anybody giving a thump in my shoulder. So I was initially shocked, and thank God it didn't last too long. Uh, and the fact that the helicopter dropped didn't help matters, but we, we recovered the situation quickly. But on the way back, there were lots of questions. Uh, one, the good question was, what in heaven's name were they doing on a rock in the first place off in a shark? And we didn't answer those questions that day because we just didn't know. It would be nearly five decades before Frank would find an answer to his question. Retired Commandant Frank Russell would return to Inishark to search for answers 47 years later in 2019, where a stop-off for a coffee on the way home would lead to a surprising encounter with a middle-aged man. The man and a woman, they had a sort of a little cafeteria during the summer and I was telling him why, we were, why I was over on the island. And he looked at me in astonishment. He said to me, I was five when that happened, he said. And my father was in one of the boats standing off the cliffs looking at the Frenchman. So you can imagine my astonishment. And he went further to say the people in the boats, which were all locals in small boats, uh, reckoned that the two sailors were put into a small boat to go over to have a look at the lobster pots which were at the foot of the cliffs, with a view perhaps to borrowing one or two lobsters for their lunch. Except it backfired and they were looking to climb on that rock. 
So that again was an astonishing day out. The idea that after 45 years, I would meet somebody who actually witnessed my first search and rescue mission. This story and many more are chronicled in the new book, Air, Sea and Land Memories, written by Frank himself. It looks back on Frank's life, both inside and outside search and rescue. It's an eclectic group of essays. They're not all about search and rescue and about the sea. I climbed uh, Mount Sinai to visit where the Ten Commandments were handed over to Moses. So it's very interesting stories about Castlenock and Blanchetown in the 50s for people living in Dublin. And if you like, the book is a witness to what I saw. From the time I left school and joined the cadet school in 1964, right up to now, my brother uh, was at me for quite a long time to put my stories together, which I'd written just for my family and for my friends. And when the third lockdown happened, I decided, God, I better do something about this. So the cost of publishing the book was borne by my children. And the idea was that once the book was published, it could be sold and the proceeds of the sale would be given to the Lark Cancer Support Centre, which is a cancer support centre based near Multifarnham in County Westmead, of which I, as a cancer patient, uh, am a co-founder. I got neck cancer in 1998. In 2002, a young woman from Templemore, Edinburgh, decided to found this centre. The idea for the centre was that it would help people who have been psychologically damaged by their cancer. And it's been hugely beneficial to me to have been involved in them with them as a cancer patient, because even in times of my own uh, psychological war with, with cancer as well, I had a second cancer as well in 2006, seven. It's been hugely beneficial and I, I, I will continue to be in touch with them and to help them where I can because I can see all the good that they do for cancer patients who are in recovery. From one personal story to another, this time about a special experience and an emotional end, told by Jerry Deegan, who began his maritime experience on Ireland's tall ship Asgard, which he fondly remembers, and a painting which he tried to buy from his parish priest. In the house of my parish priest in Meath, there was a large painting over the fireplace of Asgard, Ireland's great brigantine sail training ship, designed and built in Arklow, that great coastal town with so much maritime history by the legendary Jack Tyrrell. Commissioned on the 7th of March in Undersail, the pride of Ireland and everyone who crewing and working on board wherever she went. I saw that painting in the parish house 12 years ago and asked my parish priest what he was doing with a painting of the Asgard, to which he responded by asking how did I know it was the Asgard? So I told him I had sailed aboard on our very first voyage. I tried to buy the painting but he refused and kept refusing every time I met him for the next 10 years. Then I heard he was moving to a new parish, so I tried one more time and was successful. The painting by Paul Deacon, who now lives in New Zealand, now hangs proudly in my home. After commissioning, she left Arklow under the command of the legendary Captain Eric Healy and my President Hillary, an experienced sailor himself amongst the crew aboard. I was one of 20 trainees joining Asgard when she reached Dublin, preparing for her first sail training voyage. The next morning we were up early, learning the ropes and doing up and over, whereby we went up one side of the mast to the top and down the other side. We headed out into Dublin Bay and spent the day sailing between Dublin and Holt. As Eric Healy told us, 
we were flying the flag and proud to do so. We were surrounded by anything that could float, as everyone wanted to see the Asgard. There were even a few planes and helicopters flying around. The VHF was very busy throughout the day with the well-wishers calling to wish us well and to tell us how great Asgard was looking. As the day came to an end, we headed to anchor in the middle of Dunleary Harbour. The skipper refused to go alongside as he wanted it to be in the middle of the harbour where everyone could see us. And they did in their hundreds. Having returned to light refreshments ashore, we headed to our bunks. However, we didn't get a full night's sleep. A storm blew up during the night and the decision was made to head to sea, as it would be better to ride the storm than a sit at anchor. We hauled anchor, set sail and headed for Hollyhead. As we approached Kish Lighthouse, the plan was changed. There were trading issues. Asgard launch broke loose from the davits. The lee cloths had not been secured under the mattresses. As a result, when we keeled over, trainees rolled out of the top bunks and onto the deck. And we were an inexperienced tall ship crew. As it was well known that we were due to go to Hollyhead to do more flying the flag, it was a bit embarrassing having to turn around. For this reason, we headed not back to Dunleary, but up to Liffey and came alongside in Alexandra Basin, where no one could see us. The next day, we spent carrying out repairs and training. The following morning, we left Dublin and had a fantastic sail along the east coast to Arklow. As a member of the Naval Reserves, Slewer, I crossed paths many times with Asgard when sailing on a regular basis on Credna, Asgard's predecessor. The last time I remember both Asgard and Credna being alongside together was in Campbelltown in Scotland. By far one of the best experiences of my life was sailing on Asgard too. Then on the 11th of September 2008, a day I remember well, I was in my mother-in-law's in Wexford when the news broke. Asgard too had been abandoned and she was sinking in the Bay of Biscay. On hearing the news, I think a lot of hearts around Ireland, including mine, sank that day along with Asgard too. Many young boys and girls boarded Asgard too for sail training. A week later, many young adults disembarked after a fantastic experience. Please God we will have another tall ship, so others may experience life on the ocean waves. So they may batten down, get their longitude and latitude, check their trim, go aloft, brace the yard and get their bearings. My love is a tall ship No finer was seen To man is the ocean My true love has been And the wind in the rigging Jerry Deegan with a wish that many would share about an Irish tall ship, but I wonder. Once we had three in a tall ship's race out of Waterford, Asgard, Jeannie Johnston and the Dunbrody. Now we have no active, actually sailing tall ship. And when insurance money was available for a replacement of the sunken Asgard, then Minister for Defence Willie O'Dea closed down the sail training programme and gave that money to the Army Equitation School. That was the Army's training centre for horse riding, which he and his civil servants considered more important than a toll ship training young people. More unusual marine species are continuing to be found in Irish waters. The rare catches include a stone crab, two Mediterranean octopus and a box crab, 
all donated to Dingle Ocean World and caught off the southwest, and an angel shark was caught off the Skellig Islands, photographed and released, the first seen there for 25 years. Now back to the Galway Hookers and the Galway Hookers Sailing Club, based and situated in the heart of the Clada in Galway, who say that the ocean stirs the heart, inspires the imagination and brings eternal joy to the soul. They were mentioned when we discussed the Kong Galway race. Colette Fury of the club has been telling me more about it. Well, my own name is Colette and I'm one of the uh, volunteers in Galway Hooker Sailing Club. So we're a club that formed in 2017 and the idea was to restore, maintain, sail um, and just keep the tradition of Galway hookers alive in Galway. Um, we wanted to make it accessible to everyone, um, so people, you know, not from a boating experience or, you know, just they bring um, seeing them out on the river sailing. We realised that a lot of people like looking at them, so, um, you know, we set up the club in a bid to to get volunteers on board to obviously help us with restoring the boats and with the workload, but also to pass on the knowledge and the tradition of these boats. Uh, to, to the people of Galway. Um, so we started in 2017. Now at the moment we have almost 100 active members. Um, so we work with those. Uh, we're restoring the boat there on behalf of Port of Galway Sea Scouts at the moment. Um, and we have volunteers in who are helping out with that restoration project. Um, we had another one before that, the Lovely Anne, which was the the initial hooker in the fleet that sort of got the volunteers involved. Um, so, yeah, we've just been sailing out there and we sail alongside, often sail alongside Galway City Sailing Club, which are close to us there. And then last year, when the race uh, came up, some members of the club would have been involved in the race in previous years in, you know, in other clubs. And we thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to get the Gory Hookers involved in this old sailing race um, and bring the old and the new together, I guess. So we submitted, we entered two um, Gory Hookers, so the Alamkara and Asuni, which were two, they're privately owned uh, boats, but they're, they're club boats as well, you know, they're used for club purposes. Um, yeah, and we got them uh, craned, and trucked up to Kong, up to Asher Castle, and took part in the race. Imagine that for determination, taking Galway hookers to the Kong race. They are definitely the iconic maritime image of Galway. And so we end this edition of the Maritime Ireland radio show, which comes from the historic coastal and maritime town of Yall on the East Cork coastline and CRY 104FM Yall. And it's also broadcast in Cork on Bear Island Radio, UCC Radio and West Cork FM. In Dublin on Lear FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. In Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. On Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio, Kilkenny City Radio and in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Bell Bullet. 
on Southwest Clear Radio, Radio Kirka Boschkeen, on West Limerick 102 FM and Tip Midwest Radio in Tipperary. Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, Spotify and the marinetimes.ie. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime community. The programme website with my regular Maritime blog is tomacsweenymarine.ie or look up Maritime Ireland Radio Show. Our email address is maritimeirelandradioshow at gmail.com. That's maritimeirelandradioshow at gmail.com. Your views on the marine sphere are very welcome. Our phone and text number 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. Sound supervision on the programme by Justin Marr. Until our next programme, the usual wish of fair sailing.